we asked a select group of travelers to give us their top planning, packing, and travel tips, and the response was fantastic. This is part one of a two-part series, each featuring different travelers and different information. This week and next week's show contains some important tips, hacks, and suggestions that should help you plan your next adventure, whether it's around the world or around your home. I'm Jim Martin. This is Adventure Rider Radio. Stay with us. We got a good one for you. I'm Sam Manikin. Ted Simon. Austin Vince. Simon Pavey. Brian Field. Helga Pedersen. Jocelyn Snow. Charlie Borman. Carl Parker. Simon Thomas. Lisa Thomas. Grant Johnson. Jimmy Lewis. Elspeth Fair. Jansen. And you're listening to Adventure Rider Radio. It's wind pressure that powers the MotoBreeze chain oiler. No electrical or vacuum connections. It delivers the oil to a felt pad on your swing arm. No nozzles near your sprockets. One ounce of oil gets 1,000 miles or 1,600 kilometers. Get more miles from your chain and sprockets. MotoBreeze.com. Green Chili Adventure Gear offers American-made, heavy-duty luggage systems for all types of motorcycles. You can turn any dry bag into luggage using their strapping system. And of course, Green Chili Adventure Gear is tested in extreme weather and terrain to withstand the abuse that adventure riding gives it. Tough, reliable gear, greenchiliadv.com. Best Rest Products is the maker of the Cycle Pump, the best tire inflator for motorcyclists. It'll inflate your flat tire in less than three minutes. Made in the USA, comes with a lifetime warranty. They also distribute Google Tech filters, cyclepump.com. Planning a trip can be daunting. There's so many details to consider. And many times we get hung up on, on things like which bike we should ride, what tires we should run, what kind of panniers, soft or hard panniers. I mean, how many threads have you seen on just those things alone? It's interesting that those things don't even make the top list from experienced travelers that we have on this episode. We asked a select group of travelers if they had some unique top tips for travelers that were getting ready to do a trip or considering a trip, the information we got back was fantastic. Now, this is part one of a two-part series. The next one comes out next week, right after this. So to kick things off here, we're starting with one of the most recognized names in motorcycle travel. He spent eight years roaming the world by motorcycle nonstop. Afterwards, he wrote four books about his adventures that are extremely popular. He's written countless articles on motorcycle travel. He's a regular on our Raw podcast that comes out each month. It's Sam Manicom. Now, in addition to his round-the-world trip by motorcycle that he wrote the four books about, Sam's done loads of other traveling in different ways. Travel is in his blood right from when he was young. Quite often, we hear from listeners saying that when they were planning their trip and they had questions about travel, they wrote to Sam Manicom and asked for advice. And Sam has always been generous with his, his time and his tips, putting in lots of thought and care into his replies. Now, Sam's a, a busy guy, but when we reached out and asked him for some tips, well, he dropped what he was doing, and this is what he has. Sam, thanks for taking the time. I know you must be busy around this time of year. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure to join you, Jim. And um, actually, the the full-on rush has um, pretty much um, teetered off now. Um, Most of my work is um, what's happening in the first couple of months next year. So um, it doesn't stop, but that's part of the buzz. You're planning positively for next year. That's good. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, ho- hopefully um, the word positive is not going to be in there, but I'm getting on with it. Let's put it this way. <laughs> well, of course, you know, we're, we're after the, the three tips, uh, traveler's tips. Now, I know for you, it's, it's very difficult because I've only given you three slots to fill. And, and hopefully you've picked your 
I guess they're your best, are they? But when you when you sent me the the email, I I I just brainstormed the first three that came down um, came into my head because sometimes it's it, those are the most important things at, at the time, aren't they? And I don't think I'm going to let anybody down with these. So what do you have for the top of the list? Okay, so the first one is spend time working out what you really want from your trip. Now, I think there's so much info information out there now that it's just way too easy to get bogged down and lost along the way. And so what I'm suggesting to people is, yeah, make a huge list of all of the information, the titles that you can find in blogs, horizons, forums, all those sorts of things, and then go through and underline everything that makes you think, ooh, I wonder, or makes you smile. Now, if you do this, you've got a chance of maxing out the opportunities from your journey because you're making it your own. You're not copying anybody else or anything else like that. You're picking out the things that suit you. So you're picking out what, well, things like what sort of roads do I want to ride? How long can I get away? Am I making my trip so that I can take loads of photos? Or is it more important for me to go very gently and get underneath the skin of, of each country? Or do I want a, a long gap year type of trip with as many party places as I can get to? Um, do I want a hotels or camping type of trip or a mix? Do I want to take the time out to make films? Or do I just want to get off the beaten track and enjoy the wide open spaces and the beauty? And the other thing that works in there um, particularly powerfully for me is, do I want to go solo, duo, or with a group? Um, once you've worked out the key things, then I think the opportunity to start dreaming and drooling um, comes with um, with real focus. So you can start looking at what sort of maps you want, whether you want to use GPS, um, how long you'll need for the various sections of the journey, and the basics, of course, like what tire, what bike, fuel availability, and what gear and so on. I have been off on several trips where I've done minimal planning. And as I've been going along, I've surprised myself too many times with I didn't know that moment. And then I, later on, I've realized that I've passed within 10 miles of something that's been absolutely fantastic and I didn't even know it was there. Or I've ended up with a paperwork problem, which if I had done some homework and I'd worked out what sort of trip that I wanted, I wouldn't have wasted time and money. And time and money, they're just so important when you're on a trip. doesn't matter how long you're out there, does it? Um, what, what do you mean? Do you have an example of that? Um, I ended up at a border crossing and I could have had the paperwork organized in advance. I could have done my homework and I could have cruised across that border crossing as other people were doing. And instead, I had to battle my way from one office to the next. None of the offices were marked. Most of the officials were under pressure, underpaid and grumpy. And it just wasn't a happy experience. Yet if I'd just done my homework, if I'd worked out that I wanted to go um, this way, um, I could have arrived at that border crossing and I would have been greeted by officials who were just, phew, this guy's got his act together. Stamp, 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 on your way, mate. And instead of it taking me two days to cross that border, I could have been on and exploring and taking advantage of the journey. Right, in two days, it really did? Yeah, yeah, two days. Wow. I mean, for, for me, those two days weren't wasted. I think listeners to Adventure Rider Radio know me well enough to know, but I'm going to find plenty to do during those two days. But 
there were things uh, later on that I actually had to make the decision. Okay, my visa is three months long. Do I take a two-day um, detour off to go and see um, this particular place or do I just accept that actually I spent those two days at the border and I now can't go and see um, that thing? Mm. Um, and preparation just allows you to, to have the freedom to take advantage of the unexpected. And for me, that is one of the keys because the journey is going to be full of unexpected regardless of how well you plan. But do you really want to be bogged down in things that you could have happily enjoyed sorting out beforehand, which then allow you the, the, the takeoff of pressure so that you can just react along the way? This tip is not one that um, you you hear very often or ever really for that matter. It's not something that comes up very much for when people talk about trip planning or give advice for that matter. Uh, we all know the common advice is, you know, just go, don't procrastinate. And I, and I know mm-hmm. that you, you say the same thing, that, that that's a common problem. But what you're talking about in here also like points to that that trip planning that sorts out a lot, a lot for you, even more so even just in a a border crossing, but it can also let you or help you understand whether you want to travel with somebody else. Or like you said about, about filming all these things that can kind of ruin a trip because I I mean, I've done a lot of interviews with a lot of different people that, that have done different styles of trips. And I've heard this over and over where they've got out on a trip, particularly when they're traveling with other people. And, um, there's there's conflicts arise really because they didn't do this fundamental thing they didn't work it out before they left and say why are you doing this you know why am i doing this sort of thing and sort that out before you actually hit the road i was very lucky when i met burgett um she was riding a bicycle through new zealand and wasn't looking for a boyfriend certainly not one like me and i wasn't looking for a girlfriend i didn't expect that i would find anybody else who had the same ambitions um out for their journey as i had But we did our equivalent of um, planning by doing some riding together when we were in, um, we we made a point of of riding together for a little while in India and Nepal. And it was during that time that we realized that actually there were an awful lot of commonalities between our ambitions. And we also then realized that there were certain things that I particularly wanted to see and do along the way. That was my style, but she had things that she wanted to see and do along the way. That was her style. So then it was a case of, well, actually, can we fit in with each other's ambitions as well? Well, yeah, this is actually going to add extra to the journey and not be a barrier because we'd worked out those things in advance. And I know people who've set out and, you know, I have a friend who um, he set out to, to ride with his wife the length of the Americas. And within two weeks of being on the roads, they were at each other because they were both completely dissatisfied with how the journey was going because they hadn't worked out what each other wanted from the trip. And we've both come across situations where guys have set out and they're a bunch of schoolmates. And when they're at school, they got in like a house on fire and they've grown up and the dream come, opportunity comes together. Come on, six of us, let's go out and we'll, we'll travel across Asia. And within a month, they're yeah. just, hang on a minute, this isn't working. And that's a month worth of angst instead of a month's worth of adventure and smiles. Yeah, easy to fall into because you get along with somebody, but you, you just didn't do that thing of, what do you think this is going to be like? You know, what are you, what are you mm-hmm. looking to experience? And, and also different styles of travel. You know, some people like culture, some people like museums, some people like to see the wilderness. I mean, you know, so that will, that will certainly all make a difference for sure. Great tip. Your next one, um, again, I think it's something that a lot of people don't really take into account. This actually just tags on with what we've just been talking about. 
Route planned by the weather, because riding in the sunshine nearly always makes sense, but not always. Um, weather, I think, is a vital component of planning and getting the weather right can give you joy and it can open up a world of opportunities. But getting it wrong can give you a list of endless struggles. And if at the planning stage you take note of the weather patterns for each section of your dream route, then you can jiggle your route around so that you can try to be in the different places in the best weather for traveling by motorcycle in that area. I mean, for example, why ride in the monsoon? But also, why ride in deserts at their hottest times? And unless you're Oliver um, Solaro or Shark Lucasen, why would you want to ride through Siberia um, in, in the middle of the winter? Mm. Um, the adventure um, armchair guys as well, for that matter. Um, I think also when you're at the planning stage, if you plan to be somewhere where you know the weather is going to change soon, that also can add pleasure, uh, pressure. To, um, to your journey because it doesn't allow you to relax. It gives you that deadline. It's another end of visa deadline if you've got this um, weather pattern change looming in front of you. So if you can jiggle your route a bit so that you're not having to face that, um, that can make um, a massive difference. Now, an example from my trip was um, I got stuck in India and Pakistan trying to get my visa for Iran. And it took me three months. And that three months was critical because instead of being able to go through uh, Iran, Turkey, um, Eastern Europe in the autumn, I ended up going through in the middle of the winter and it just was not funny. Mm. Um, uh, it, it just put me off winter riding forever. Um, I didn't have the money to buy the right equipment. And there was, a lot of there was a lot of lack of opportunity to buy the right equipment anyway. And it turned that section of journey into pure survival rather than an opportunity to explore. Um, a sideways tip on this is if somebody pays attention to what's happening in the weather patterns along their planned route, they'll often find that there are traditional fiesta days that time in with different weather patterns. And one of the joys of travel, I think, is being able to go to the different fiestas in, in the countries along the way. For example, you'll get spring fiestas um, and they're celebrating the beginning of the year. You'll get harvest festivals. Um, so pick up on those things and, and weather patterns are an ideal opportunity for um, to, to highlight those. Of course, there's a price factor, isn't there? Because if there's a fiesta on, then you're hunting out accommodation um, at the, the most expensive time. But wow, some of the opportunity, those fiestas is fantastic. And this advice would work as well on a micro level. If you, Even if you're going for a weekend or, or a week trip and you plan on riding through somewhere, it's it's important to remember or think about rather if you're heading up through the mountains, what's the weather going to be like? It's going to get cooler, you know, or or if you're going down by the ocean, those those type of things. Um, even a week can put you into some different weather. Oh, absolutely. You know, I'm a real fan of of having a plan B. We talked about it once about when you're traveling down through Africa, because you never know what's going to happen in the country in front of you, because Africa's a bit like a pressure cooker. Um, always look at what's happening in the countries along um, the side. We do the same thing with weather. So, for example, um, if you have got a situation where a weather pattern is changing early 
Um, and you can see that because you're online and you're checking out what's happening and the country's coming uh, that you're coming towards. And let's say the monsoon is hitting um, that much earlier in, in in the plains of India. Well, how about heading to a different part of India where the monsoon isn't so um, ferocious and then come back to that area that was being hit by the monsoon as a later stage so that you can enjoy both areas at the right time. Right. Okay, that makes perfect sense. Now, your last one has um, it's kind of it's kind of removed from the trip itself. Talk about that. I really struggled actually because I had a fourth one um, that popped into my mind, but the one that has remained with me was have a home base administrator or coordinator. Now, it's much easier nowadays to do things like banking, ordering spare parts, etc., um, from the road than it was in the not so distant past. The IT possibilities keep us potentially safer, give us more opportunities and, and make us that much better connected. Um, but it's a mighty fine thing to have a person at home who's your admin base. So that if things do go really wrong, they can make the difference um, between make or break on your whole journey for you. Sometimes... Um, IT communications can go significantly wrong. Um, you you may just find yourself in a country where all of a sudden the political situation means that all of the internet um, is, is closed down. No emails, nothing, but the phones are still open. So if you've got things to order, organize, um, or you need spare parts, those sorts of things, well, this person at home can can help you out. And besides that, it's a peace of mind thing. Now, for example, they could have photocopies of your passports, a pre-prepared list of all of the embassies along your route, scans of all of the pre-arranged visas, passport photographs. They could have copies of your medical travel insurance with the contact details of those organizations highlighted for them and the insurance company notified that this person can act on your behalf. Mm. I've had problems, you know, I'm a bit of a disaster. The magnet. Uh, you know, I've had problems and I've been out there and I've been on my own and I've been dealing with an insurance company from my hospital bed and the insurance company has been saying, yeah, but we need this bit of paper. We, we need that confirmation. And had I not had somebody um, at home working as my base camp admin, then I would have found it very difficult to get things sorted out. Oh, this is paperwork that you didn't have on you. Yeah. All right. Or I couldn't get at because it was with my gear and not with me in my hospital bed. And of course, that, uh, that that's a time to mention um, loading it into some sort of cloud-based service, if you can. Yeah, too right. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely too right. But, you know, your IT equipment may have got smashed right. if you'd had an accident, for example, and all of a sudden there you are in your bed and you'd been relying upon the cloud, but... You You've got no access again. to it anymore. Yeah, no, it makes sense. But, and now yeah. this person that you're talking about would have to be somebody, first of all, that you can really trust and somebody that's mm -hmm. probably pretty organized too. Oh, absolutely. Because you're giving them um, the right to much of your life. Uh, I even give, um, make... Um, my home base admin um, a co-signatory on my bank account. Right. Um. I, I leave my will with them. And I know that sounds awfully dire, but from, for your family's point of view, uh, having somebody who knows exactly what you want to happen if the worst possible happens out of there, uh, that just takes so much um, pressure off. But also, you know, just going back to um, bank account um, and being a co-signatory, it's, it's little things like notifying that your bank 
uh, your bank that this is what's going to happen. So when, for example, you're using your credit card in Bangkok, but somebody logs on to pay for a bit of equipment that you need to be ordering from your home country, um, that the bank isn't going to flag this up as being a, a card theft situation or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, my mother was um, my home base and she was absolutely fantastic. Now, my mother's a class act. I was always banned from riding motorcycles when I was youngster and probably with good reason. Um, but, yeah, um, I mean, you just have to look at your, your hospital tour that you've done <laughs> and, and realize she was right, Sam. <laughs> oh, she was. There's no doubt about it. You know, the hardest thing about setting off on, on the eight-year trip was telling my mother that I was going to ride a motorcycle. And um, bless her, the first thing she said to me was, right, okay, well, I knew something was bubbling. How can I help? And that puts in the perfect position to be admin. And the beauty of it for her, I think, was that she had a finger on the pulse of what was going on. And it meant that she wasn't at home feeling helpless. She felt like she was able um, to actually physically help. And she did. She was fantastic. And she was dealing with um, carnet de passage renewals, for example. Um, And the Royal Automobile Club is where um, I got mine from at the time. And um, organizing that from the road just was not easy. But years later, I bumped into the administrator from the um, Royal Automobile Club and we got chatting. And he said to me, do you know, I remember you and I remember your mum. Say hello to Joan for me, will you? She'd made that much of an impression on him and made his life that much easier that he even remembered her name. Wow. (laughs) So home-based admin slash coordinator, that's, that's good. Now, you did mention you had a fourth one. We've got a little bit of time here, Sam. What's the fourth one? All right. This one I particularly like, and it's one that people don't tend to think about beforehand. Teach yourself to stop regularly in your day and start it now. As soon as you trip planning, every half hour, stop wherever you are and take the time out to look around you. You mean like start it in your in your home country, your hometown, yeah. wherever you are? Yeah, absolutely. Just get in the habit of it every half an hour. Just take the moment out to have a look around where you are, um, the buildings, the people, the expressions on people's faces, the shops, the trees, whatever else it may be, um, so that you're in the habit of doing that before you go. Because that means from the start of your journey, it'll be natural for you to take make a point of having a look around you regularly so that you're not just riding on past things that are the very reason for you being out there. Now, do you stop every 30 minutes or do you stop every 30-ish minutes when you come to something interesting? Um Actually, I admit that I tend to stop every hour. Uh, <laughs> like, like getting in the half hour mood. It's Don't do just as I do, of, do as I say is what you're saying. You stop every hour, but you tell everybody every 30 minutes. <laughs> it's it's training. If you teach yourself before you go to start every 30 minutes, then you'll be much more comfortable yeah, doing it um, when you're on the trip. Right. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I still, I've got in the habit of doing it now. And I'm, it doesn't matter where I am. If I'm walking or I'm riding my motorcycle, I just pull myself over to the side and I stop and I take the moment out to have a look because there is so much going on around us all of the time. And it is incredibly easy to get into the mental habit of letting destination take over as priority rather than this is where I am. This is what I'm seeing. And these are all the reasons for being out here. Mm, or mileage as well, right? Mm-hmm. You know, people get set on a certain number of miles they got to cover in a certain in a certain day to make the destination that they have ultimately. 
there's a side effect of of getting in the habit of doing this, and I am a great advocate of when you do your <clears throat> half hourly stop, um, <laughs> you actually get off your bike. Get off your bike and have a walk around. Now, I get a lot of comments from people saying how tired they get when they're when they're doing long days. And the reason for that is because they're not giving their body the chance to stretch and to relax. They're, um, they're not giving their backside muscles, um, for example, the opportunity um, to, to get the blood circulating again. And that's one of the reasons that people get tired. So when you're doing your half hourly or hourly, whatever you choose to do, um, stop to have a look around you. Just get off the bike and wander up and down as you doing it, um, you'll have a much happier day's ride. Yeah, that's what I was thinking when you were saying 30 minutes. I was thinking that that's great to combat fatigue. And, and that can be cumulative too throughout the day and even over days where you mm-hmm. just get physically and mentally sort of worn out from, from just trying to push yourself too much, not to mention everything you're missing. Your, your days can turn into days of challenge instead of days of fascination. Mm-hmm. The challenges are going to be there anyway. Why enhance them? Why add to them? Sam, thank you very much. I really appreciate that. Oh, you're very welcome. I'm I'm so looking forward to seeing what everybody else comes up with. That was Sam Manicom from his home in the UK. His four fantastic books that cover his round-the-world trip are really a must for any rider. They're available at sam-manicom.com. We've got links to his books and his website in the show notes of this episode uh, on adventureriderradio.com. Now, we're going to take a short break, but when we come back, we've got a couple that have been riding two up on a KTM. They're still on the road. They have been all through the pandemic. Right now, they're hunkered down in a tropical rainstorm. Stay with us. Okay, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. The best cold weather socks you can buy are Pearly's Possum Socks. Okay, maybe it's not a secret. Maybe I've said it before on the show. But but the thing is, I'm really taken by these socks. I've been wearing them for months now because it's cold where I am. And they are my cold weather sock. They are the official sock for Adventure Rider Radio. The reason we did that is because I'm so impressed with them. And I've been into outdoor stuff since I was kind of knee high to a grasshopper, if you know what that saying means, quite small. And and I've never come across a pair of socks that keep my feet warm like these do. For riding your bike, it's the best thing you can do for yourself. Get yourself a pair of Pearly's Possum Socks at pearlyspossumsocks.com. Anytime you're dealing with them, if you're inquiring, buying, whatever, mention that you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio. pearlyspossumsocks.com. Tim and Marissa Notier have been on the road for about three years now. They're from the U.S. and they've explored right on down through the Americas and they're now in Africa. Tim and Marissa, welcome back to Adventure Rider Radio. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Now, where are you guys right now? We are in Nanyuki, Kenya, which is right next to Mount Kenya, the second highest mountain in Africa. So it's actually kind of high altitude and a little bit cold here. We're right on the equator, but uh, it's it's almost perfect weather. The the altitude cancels out, you know, being being on the equator, and so pretty nice days. It is nice. Oh, I see. Oh, yeah, that's right. So, so you're getting the best of, of everything there. And, and what's the noise we hear? 
Uh, that is that is rain. Yeah, it's a rainstorm on the tin roofs. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, that's what you get. <laughs> that is very cool because you can hear it's got to be just teeming down right now. <laughs> yeah, pretty intense rainstorms here in Africa. Yeah. And a tin roof, it's got to be very loud for you guys in there. It is, but it's also very soothing. I, I really like it. Yeah, when we're not... You know, aiming to do recordings of ourselves, it's actually quite peaceful. But, you know, it hasn't rained for like 10 days. And then, to, you know, just yep, in the last just our luck. 20 minutes, I was like, oh, man, I'm going to rain now. Wow, that's pretty neat. So you guys are obviously still traveling. Um, what's that like for you? Because there's not many people traveling right now. Well, traveling is loose, right? I mean, we're still far away from home, which is you know, <laughs> more of a, a better way to put it. Uh, we, we were held up, you know, um, in Kampala, uh, Uganda for about seven months. And then we made the slow transition once those borders opened back up here into Kenya. Uh, but our next border of Ethiopia is shut down. So we're just playing the, the waiting game. I mean, it's, it's much cheaper here for us to, uh, to wait it out than flying back home, which is an expense all in itself. So, Yeah, there's several advantages to us staying here. Um, yes, it is cheaper. Uh, the pandemic situation isn't so bad. Uh, we don't have to, like you said, fly ourselves and the motorcycle trying to get back to the States. Um, so yeah, and the people are really friendly and we still get to sightsee every once in a while. <laughs> yes. We fed a rhino a couple of weeks ago. We fed our, oh, uh, a North cool. African black rhino yes. carrots. So, <laughs> so, wow. yes. so what do you mean about the, your comment about saying traveling is, is kind of a, a loose term? Uh, because there's, there's not a lot of motion, right? So, I mean... We, we've just been kind of hunkering, waiting out the storm, if you will, as it's happening in the background here. But uh, <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we haven't been doing much exploring or much riding around just because it's just, it's just not really an option at this, at this moment in time. I mean, we were in Kampala in Uganda for seven months. Yeah. And then by that time, the borders had opened up and our visa had run out. And so we decided to move on to Kenya. And we might be here for however long our visa can be extended for. So for another few months, probably. Yeah. Um, and then we'll see what happens we're, at that point. We're hoping, because we were pretty much on track as soon as this um, issue came about, the pandemic came about, and we're almost delayed a full year. So it's a long pause, but it almost puts us back on track to get to Egypt while it's not blistering hot, get into Europe while it's not, you know, winter. Mm-hmm. So... The, I mean, things have changed a lot, and we don't know what the future holds because of Ethiopia and the pandemic and everything. So, because um, obviously right now Ethiopia is having a bit of a civil war. So that's really our only way north at the moment, but we'll figure it out. I'm staying positive. Yeah. What, what is um, Kenya like for you? It's really nice. So we're like just, it. we're on the northwestern side of Mount Kenya. Um, and right, like today, it's really rainy. When we first got here, it's, it was, it's been overcast and rainy, but on very nice days, the clouds go away and you can see this beautiful, beautiful staggering peak in the distance. And It's a really jagged peak. It looks almost alpine and there's um, 
glaciers on it. So yeah. there's always snow on it. It's really beautiful and remarkable right on the equator. Yeah. And are you guys riding around or are you, are you sort of staying in one spot and just walking around taking transit? Um, I, I'm, I ride around a little bit to get some of the fluids to the bike pump in, um, you know, that's so make sure my battery is still charged. But uh, we, we would like to do a full, you know, three, four day trip around Mount Kenya. But right now I'm, I'm, I'm just jetting out a couple hours and messing around and looking at some views. Yeah. And obviously we had to come here from Uganda. And so that was several days of traveling. It was really nice to be on the road again. The Rift Valley was amazing. Yeah. The Great Rift Valley. It was beautiful to take those mountain roads. But um, in general, we do just stay in one spot, <laughs> just renting a house. Yeah. That's, that's kind of neat though, isn't it? I mean, that's like a traveler's dream to be able to, to spend a lot of time in one spot. You're obviously getting a, a lot better feel for the culture and the place that you're in. A hundred percent. Absolutely. Indeed. And we've been getting lucky this last couple of times of renting long-term accommodations, uh, about 200 us dollars a month, mm -hmm. uh, you wow. know, where we're at now has Wi-Fi. it's got Netflix and you know, YouTube on a smart TV. So, you know, it's yeah, like, it's really this, nice. is, this is <laughs> For nice. There's a little box. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, and for all we those got a vegetarians listening, close your ears, but, uh, the steaks here <laughs> are really cheap and amazing. The rump steaks are just, chicken is like $12 for eight breasts and rump steaks are $8 for four New York style steak. Oh, it's amazing. I mean, really each steak is about a dollar fifty. It's, it's, yeah, so. quite remarkable. So yeah, the cost of living is very cheap. And Kenya has so much to offer too, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, that place where we fed the rhinos was 20 minutes away. Yeah. Wow. I, I didn't know it existed. And then we heard about it. And yeah, I mean, there are animal sanctuaries all over the country and they're just amazing. Uh, we saw the last two. Northern white rhinos. Yeah. Northern white rhinos. Um, we, yeah, we did a horse. We splurged. It was our Christmas <laughs> present yes. to ourselves. But as a surprise, uh, Marissa and I traded in our, uh, all of our horses, horsepower on the motorcycle for a single horse. And we did, uh, <laughs> we did some horseback riding through, with the rhinos. through the rhino sanctuary. It was, yeah. it was scary and awesome all at the same time, but it kind of got our, you know, our adventure blood pumping again, if you will. What, yeah. what do you mean scary? Cause you're not used to horses? Uh, no, cause it's rhinos. The rhinos oh. <laughs> almost charged us. And <laughs> yeah, the, the male youth rhinos, teenage rhinos were grunting at us and our guide was snorting back at them. And I said kind of casually, I was like, so you ever get charged? And he's like, oh yeah, all the time. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> My horse was freaking out. Yeah. Yeah. That's not the answer you want to hear, is it? You want to hear that, that, no. that reaffirm, uh, the affirmation rather than, exactly. no, no, you're yeah. good. No, they're harmless. Please just lie, lie to me. I don't, yeah. I don't ride horses very well and I can just imagine it trotting off and I'm falling off and. Yep. Trampled on and just, yeah. yeah but it didn't survive. turn out like that. <laughs> what was Uganda like for seven months? We really lucked out. We were in a fantastic place, even though it was in the capital city, which in general, we don't like capital cities or big cities with a lot of traffic. And I think Kampala was one of the worst traffic places oh, we've yeah. ever been to. It was just madness. But besides that, we were able to rent a house that had a lot of property and it was part of a hotel complex. 
And so it was really quiet there. Yeah. We had chickens. We had chickens. We had a monkey named uh, Thomas that we'd feed. Yeah, all the it was time. a wild monkey that would come by. So it was real nice. But now we've traded a monkey and chickens. There's a oh, it's a stray cat here that was really shy and timid for us for our first couple of days. But she just had kittens. So now we have little baby Christmas Kenya kittens. <laughs> wow. So, so yeah, that's the exciting yeah. stuff in our life. That the sounds like nine quite months. the adventure for sure. <laughs> and, and I mean, if you're renting that thing for $200 a month, it can't be all that expensive for real estate there. Yeah. You know I what? Know. I mean, we got real lucky. There's a, there's a gentleman that I met here who's riding a, a bicycle named uh, Ted from Ohio or Iowa, but uh, Idaho. Idaho. Um, but he can't find, we, we lucked out 200 bucks for this, this small house, but he can't get accommodation for less than, you know, more than twice that. So oh, we're thanking our lucky, our lucky stars for networking. Yeah, I networking. think it depends exactly on yeah. who you know. Well, and we well, just happen it, to know someone. Is it busy there right now as far as tourism goes? No, no. no. Awesome. I mean, we're right, right next to Mount Kenya. And so it's in, you know flashback a year ago, this is where people come as a base camp to climb Mount Kenya. Um, Obviously Kenya based so much of their economy off of tourism in yeah. general. So there are a lot of hotels. Um, we, we find a, we found a private residence just through a connection, which was again, a very lucky scenario, but a lot of people are struggling as far as that goes, yeah. but they are opened up now to tourism and there are some people who yeah. are coming to Kenya. Uh, as far as the coronavirus goes, it's got very low numbers. Yeah. And um, they're dropping. Yeah. And they are dropping. Um, there was a bit of a spike before, but it's going mm -hmm. back down. So um, yeah, in that regard, they're doing quite well, but of course people in general aren't. Yeah taking safaris and going on vacation right now. Mm. What are they doing for, um, for COVID? Are they are people walking around with masks? Did, did they do the lockdowns so, like everyone else? Like 98% of people have a mask and, you know, about 75 of those people who have masks wear them properly, but it's at <laughs> least, it's comforting to know that everybody is aware. Um, we found the same thing in Uganda as well, that, I think even before this pandemic, you had to wash your hands before yeah. going into, you know, shopping malls and all that, just because Ebola was a thing that too, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. The whole region has been used to dealing with virus outbreaks. Yeah. So they were a little bit prepared. And I don't think people are necessarily against wearing masks. Just a lot of people forget or they don't know how to put it on right. Or yeah. they're, they're just very complacent and they haven't been hit very hard with the virus. So... Some people just think, oh, you know, it's going to be fine. Yeah. Um, but besides that, they stick to the rules as far as wearing masks. And there is a, a curfew. I think it's nine o'clock yeah. or something like that. But we don't often find ourselves roaming through the city past sundown anyway. Yeah. Is safety an issue for you? No. It uh, hasn't been, no. But you can tell that. It's on people's minds. Yeah, the house we're renting, the gentleman who rented it to us, you know, there's the, the doors here in Africa work a little bit different than they do in, <laughs> in uh, the Americas. You know, but they, they lock with two kind of... Uh, like deadbolts? They're metal doors. From the inside, and then you padlock them on the inside, and there's a little hole that you can reach your hand through if you're on the outside to unlock it. 
long, long story short, there's this gentleman had two padlocks on each door. And I think he was just looking out for our general safety, but it was kind of overboard. Yeah. And then, yeah, two padlocks. And then one of the doors has three padlocks yeah. on it from the inside. And then, of course, all the windows are barred with yeah. metal. Um, and there's security alarm buttons in, in every, every bedroom. bedroom. Yeah, I walked in the bedroom. Wow. I thought it was the main light. And sure enough, it went. <laughs> yeah, so there's like a light that goes off on the top yeah. of the house and a siren. But we, we have a small little yard with a nice garden. There's rose bushes, there's sage, there's rosemary. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's a main gate. And outside of that main gate is a gentleman named Jeff, who is our kind of sort of security guard, guard yes. even though he just works at <laughs> just a small little uh, gift shop that's mm. that's connected to our property. So so we feel very, very safe. Yeah. Um, even walking around during the day or, you know, as the night's approaching, no one's ever harassed us or, you know, People have been, been super friendly. Yeah. They, they really want to sell me watches and flashlights and stuff, <laughs> but <laughs> I politely decline. And, and nobody's pounded on your door in the middle of the night or anything like that? No, 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 no. Huh. So oh, that's, that's interesting. <laughs> it just sounds yeah. like a, you're having an amazing time. It sounds like the rain's let up a tiny little bit there, but um, yeah, but not completely. Mm -hmm. Well, of course, we're, we're talking about travel tips, and it's great to, to talk to you guys right around this time of year, right around Christmas time, and uh, and get your mm -hmm. travel tips. Your first travel tip, I, I really like this. This is different. Can, can you talk about that? Uh, so we like to just to call it our, our spidey sense, if you will. Right? It's just kind of this tingle that we get by judging a, a situation, any situation we may um, yeah, find ourselves in. It kind of goes right into what we were talking about as far as safety goes, because you never know what place is going to be safe. And um, we're from Chicago, so we know that even in the best case scenario, there can be danger. And so we do kind of go with our gut a lot of the time if we feel that a certain place is not right with us, not sitting right, yeah. then we'll let the other person know and we have this rule that we just leave. Yeah. You know, no questions asked. Mm. I'd rather be wrong by misjudging the situation in the scenario where we leave when we're mm. actually quite fine instead of, you know, me saying, oh, everything's fine and then something awful happens. I mean, and again, we're not overly paranoid, but I just, we like to just absorb the the scenario and, and exactly and it is interesting because when we were in the states people were telling us oh my goodness you're going to be riding through mexico don't go to mexico it's dangerous and of course we had a wonderful time in mexico and everyone in mexico was saying oh watch out for guatemala and then in guatemala they were saying watch out for el salvador you know yeah. and this continued on all the way to argentina yeah much. it still goes on yeah. so we try not to take too much advice from people who for one haven't been there um, but also we try to look at every place kind of with fresh eyes yeah. and an open mind. Do you have a, a, like a time that you can tell us an example of when you didn't feel right, one of you didn't feel right and you've sort of went with your gut? Actually, um, in the States, we were using an app called freecampsites.net, which is a great, very useful in the States, useful, uh, website. And, um, but there was one campsite. In yeah. California, we did not feel safe. Well, it, there. it's it. 
it's kind of like iOverlander, but we have not, we hadn't discovered iOverlander yet. But uh, it lets you know the last time people were there. Long or short, we found ourselves at this campsite, um, and then we realized that in California, a lot of these off the beaten path campsites are where people pull over to do their drug of choice. And yeah, we were mm. sitting there, and the the Scooby Doo van pulled up with tinted <laughs> windows and. Four people hopped out and they seemed friendly enough, but they also looked. Uh, yeah, we didn't want to, you know, go hiking and leave our stuff yeah, there. Yeah, they looked. They looked sketchy. So. And there's been a couple times um, throughout our travels. For example, here in Africa, when we were in South Africa, we pulled over on a beach and wanted to take pictures of the motorcycle and the beach. It was really beautiful, and I kept looking around, and I did get that feeling, but I didn't pay much attention to it. And someone actually pulled up to us and said, you need to get out of here. This is not a safe place. And I realized I should have paid more attention to that gut feeling that I had. Um, And we left, you know, and everything has been fine. But yeah, it's a a fine balance of, again, trusting your gut, um, not direct comparison of don't believe everything you hear. I mean, Mm -hmm. have that be part of the equation too. But uh you know, just just make an educated decision as as with as little information as you possibly that you may have. You know, just and I mean that starts from the very first day we decided to actually take this trip. You know, it's you know there's there's a lot of scare factors that can make you fold your hand of of adventure life and you know, but yeah. but again you know just getting excited, trusting your gut. This is going to be awesome. We didn't know if it was going to be the worst or the, the <laughs> best decision we ever made. You know, but yeah, it's it's kind of that leap of faith. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting one. It may mm-hmm. be the fact that our subconscious mind is picking up on things that our conscious mind isn't, and and giving 100%. us that feeling. You know, so um, yeah, yes. that, that I think that's a that's a good one. What, what what's your next one? Um, so this is kind of you know my my personal outlook again. All these are obviously my personal outlook, but I wasn't. I'm not a mechanic, and I don't think that anybody planning to go on an extended trip needs to be a mechanic. I, I do believe that if you know how to change a flat tire, let it be changing out a tube or plugging a tire and changing your own oil. Um, that adds a lot of conveniences, but even those basic things don't even necessarily mean that you're not ready to go on this adventure. Um, I do think, and I, I do this myself, I, I just, I build a safety net as we're traveling and let that be on social media. Um, I, I reach out to a lot of big bike rental tour guides and dealerships uh, just because on, on these big bikes, you know, they have the tire sizes you want, you know, they probably have good mechanics to keep their, you know, BMW 1200s or in my case, a KTM 1190, but it's, it's not the first time they've ever seen a large cylindered motorcycle you know, so it's always good to mark down all the dealerships where you're going, uh, even in the States, whenever we had problems, it was just fantastic to be like, oh, there's a dealership in that city. Let's go there. And they were always so friendly and helpful. So you cr- yeah. sort of carry your list. You're, uh, well, it's all just marked on Google, on Google. Maps, right? <laughs> oh, I mean, I it's uh, the conveniences of uh, modern technology. <laughs> but, you know, I would just really push on but like. I had a very limited grasp on mechanics. Um, I recall the first time we were on your show, you, you, I was describing uh, 
certain part that had broken. And I, I think I called it a widget or something along the lines. <laughs> and said, oh, yeah, I, I kind of understand. But my, my knowledge has grown. And I'll, I'll tell you, I made it, uh, made it to Kenya successfully. So. <laughs> With a lot of help along With the way. With a lot of help. But that's the thing. There's always people who are out there to help you. And even if you don't speak the same language, you know, wherever we're broken down on the side of the road, people will always help. But it's also good to make that safety net of contacts that you have in each place that you're going. People that you see online or part of the motorcycle community. They're just wonderful. They've really saved us in a lot of bad situations. You guys mentioned connecting with expats. How do you do that? How do you find them? Uh, So pretty randomly, uh, people, again, I've built up a kind of sort of, it's a platform on social media, right? But uh, people will reach out and they're, they're interested. We've in Tanzania, we ran into a gentleman that owned a hotel and really nice and told us all about how we can. Uh, well, the different roads. I mean, once you connect with local people, then they know all the cool roads to go down, all the things to see. Mm. So they're helpful in more than just mechanical ways. Yeah. And I mean, it, it can happen in a multitude of, of different mm-hmm. variety. You know, I don't hunt down expats. I don't, you know, it's, it's just. There's also motorcycle clubs and forums and things that you can find online. And then one person just connects you to another person. And it just keeps going from there. Yeah. Like, Oh, I know someone in the next country. So yeah. yeah, it's, it's a very wonderful community, the motorcycle community. Yeah. And like when Sam or Ted have done this, you know, years ago, or Elizabeth Beard, like it's just, it's a much more convenient time to make connections, you know, like. Nowadays, yeah. yeah. I mean, you can go without any safety nets at all and just kind of, you will be helped along the way, you know. But we're, we're very thankful for modern technology when we need it. Mm-hmm. So social media is a, um, a huge asset for you guys. Absolutely. For us. And we've met people that are not into social media at all. And that's totally. Yeah. And they still go around the world. It's, yeah. it's amazing. But mm-hmm. we have found it to make things easier. Indeed. It's, it's an, a large extended group of friends and family that you've never met, but totally 100% have your back. Mm-hmm. You know, your, your last of the, of the three tips has a lot to do with what you're doing right now. <laughs> yes. Well, it's. I, I will say it, the tip would be just take your time. Um, if you have the time to do so, uh, there's a couple counterpoints. Like Marissa and I are very lucky that we planned out a, an unended amount of time. We're just restricted by finances. A lot of people are restricted by time and they have to go back and to finances, work. you know, right. but mm-hmm. uh, when my, my tip would be if you have the time to do so, just get maximize your 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 visa entry and your temporary import permit. Um, even if you think you're going to flash through a country in two weeks and you have no interest in anything um, on the positive side, you could fall in love with that country and mm-hmm. want to stay there for 90 days or on a negative side, your bike can break down and now you have to worry about. Uh, now I have a time limit. Now I have to extend all this stuff. But, uh, you know, South America to me would be a key point because a lot of people do ride through it. There seems to be a very um, adventure motorcycle 
haven, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people kind of speed through some of the some of the sections. And Marissa and I just did large sweeping figure eights because there's just so many hidden secrets and just you know. Uh, again, we're we're here, but it, you get to absorb the the culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just. We'd originally thought that we were going to spend one year going through the Americas and we almost spent two years. So it was so wonderful. I wouldn't take any of that back. Every moment that we spent in the Americas doing that was so precious to me. It was amazing that, you know, we didn't mind that we were going way over (laughs) the time limit that we thought that we were going to take. Um, because yeah, going slow really allowed us to immerse ourselves. What we've been saying for a couple of years now is that, We'd rather see more of less than less of more, you know. So, mm-hmm. through going through South America, yeah, we might be eating up our financial budget, but every day it was just, it was totally worth it. I wouldn't trade a good day in Peru for a potentially unknown factor somewhere else, you know. And we're talking about years of traveling here, but you can bring it down to the micro level. You know, if you're just talking about writing for a day, I also think it's better to plan out very few things to do that day, maybe only five hours of writing as opposed to eight hours of writing. First of all, you never know what's going to happen, but also you might find some amazing place to stay for lunch and meet some people there. And, you know, so taking it slow, even on a daily level, I think is really great and not planning things out too tightly in a time frame because uh, you might meet the owner of the hotel who says, hey, check out that waterfall. Yeah. Or y- you never know what you're going to find. And that could be the greatest treasure. But if you plan things out to be very tight, um, then you won't have that opportunity to go see that waterfall, for example. And I know this matters. Uh, this depends on, on someone's idea of what travel is all about. There are some people who just mm-hmm. like to ride. But I think for the most yes. part, people are, are doing, people are after what you're doing, really, to, to experience these places that you're going through rather than just ride the roads. Riding the roads is great, too. I mean, if you're into that, yeah, yeah. then do it. But but um, I think most people are, are probably in your camp, your style of, of travel. Well, that's a really good point because um, you do have to take what we say with a grain of salt. Everyone travels for their own reasons. They want to see their own things. For some people, um, it really is kind of like a record that they want to set for themselves. You know, I want to go from this destination to that destination in this amount of time. Right. And um, it, it it's almost like a personal quest. But it, it's surprising how much more time you can spend somewhere than you would think. Like, (laughs) you know, Marissa and I already had this little motto of seeing more of less and less and more. And Mm -hmm. when we still just tripled our expectations of being like, wow, we still haven't left Columbia yet. Or wow, we haven't left, you know. That being said, now that it's during a pandemic and we literally can't go anywhere, it's, um, it's different when you're not allowed to yeah. travel yeah. and you do get that itchy feeling of, I just want to be on the road well, and I want to get to the next destination. And okay, I think I've had enough here. Um, yeah. So we do have to kind of quell that and be like, no, you know, we're here for the long run and yeah. just enjoy it. We don't want to be told what to do. <laughs> and no. I think it's, I mean, exactly. You know, if you're told to stay, it makes you want to leave, you know, <laughs> but, but yes. it's just that you just want to know that that freedom is there. And I think that's one yeah. thing everybody's feeling at this point, no matter whether you're traveling or not. A hundred percent. 
Do you guys ever um, check your budget or do you do this all the time where you're looking at your budget and you're thinking, because right now I'm thinking this, this amazing deal, you've got 200 bucks internet, your internet's fantastic. I can see it on my, on the connection. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm thinking you, you've got everything there and it's so inexpensive. Do you, do you look at your budget and go, Hey, Hey, we've just tacked on another six months or, you know, are you doing yeah. that on a regular basis? Well, when we first yes. thought about flying back home, cause we, I mean, we thought that Africa might be hit hard. I mean, the rest of the world yeah. was kind of looking at Africa and being like, that's going to be an issue. Um, and so we looked at flying home. Um, but I was like, we can live in Uganda for 10 years in the amount off, with, you know, I mean, we can live here forever with the money we have. Exactly. But, uh, I, but we were pretty financially. Um, At an equilibrium. What's yeah. the word we like to use? Stagnant. Yeah, financially <laughs> stagnant. That makes it sound romantic. Yeah. <laughs> but I do, and I'm not trying to forcefully plug anything, but it is just a, a fun fact that my book sales for the last six months have paid um, our rent. So that's wow. thank you to everybody out there who has, you know, bought it and read it and liked it because we are, we're, that's, that's our only income. Usually we're just <laughs> used to outcome, but. Wow. That's, but. that's very good. So, so let's just pitch the book then uh, while we're doing this. What's, what's the name of the book? Yeah. So it's two up and overloaded, um, Chicago to Panama. Last time we did an interview with you, Tim I forgot, forgot the name of the book. I've now <laughs> remembered it. <laughs> That's right. So did you write that down just in case you got the opportunity the, yes, to talk it's, about it's it? On, it's on my hand. Okay, what is it again? Don't look at your hand. <laughs> but yeah, Two so. up and overloaded. Two up and yeah, overloaded. I love the title though. I, mean, I think that's great. Yeah. It's a lot of people have commented that we, we're kind of heavily stacked, if you'll put it politely. And so I just figured... <laughs> I'll just call it two up and overloaded, get that out of the way. Now you can have a couple laughs, hopefully. <laughs> so so two yeah. up and overloaded is a book. And where do they get it? Uh, it's on Amazon, um, both in Kindle and paperback. I, I wrote it and published it while we've been on the road. So it's kind of hard for me to dig into some more of the other publishers and printers. And so Amazon is the easiest for me. I know some people may not love them, love them, hate them, but. No overhead for me, available worldwide. You can search Tim No Tear and uh, yeah, you'll see see the books we've written. Yeah, it's about um, us leaving home and traveling up to Panama. So it's the first leg of our trip. Yes. So mm. on these cold wintry nights, you can ride along with us through the summer of Mexico and Central America. Yes, Boy, and, was it hot. And, and a lot of people will be looking for, for something, I'm sure, as, as we go through the, the long, cold winter. Those of us who are, who are sitting it out in the cold and, uh, yeah, mm -hmm. live vicariously through you guys uh, and your adventure. Now, I imagine that because you've, had, you've written this book and you've had such success with it, you're probably going to do another one for the next leg of your journey. This is true. As of this afternoon, I've gotten us to the Bolivian Salt Flats. So from Colombia to... Southern Bolivia. And then, uh, yeah, so hopefully I'm just keep tippy typing away and I'm thinking of calling this next one blood, sweat, and no tears. <laughs> just, just a pitch. We'll see how people react. Now, now, Tim, you have to be careful because the thing is, if you guys keep doing this, you realize you'll have no reason to go back home. That's, you know, <laughs> part of true. that. You know, we were sitting in uh, Uganda on our little porch of our rented house where there's chickens and we feed a monkey. 
you know, there's these two little chairs on the porch and Marissa and I looked at each other and I said, you know, this has kind of always been my end goal is, you know, nice, nice property sitting on a porch on a beautiful day, feeding chickens, it just <laughs> happened about two decades sooner than, you know, I, I expected. <laughs> Well, it's a it's a good time in your life to enjoy it. That's great, yeah. Tim Marissa. It's been great to sit down and talk with you, and and we'll have to get you back on again somewhere down the road. That'd Thank be amazing. So I mean, Thank you so much. That. Hopefully, it'll be down the road. Hopefully, you won't be at the same spot. This is very true. Yes. Hopefully. yes. <laughs> Thanks, Marissa. Thanks, Tim. Thank you, good Thank sir. That was Tim and Marissa Notier from their temporary home in Kenya, Africa. You can find their books at their website, notiersfrontiers.com. We've got a link to their website in the show notes, as always, uh, on our website, adventureriderradio.com. Now we're going to take a short break, but when we come back, we have some more tips coming up from a pair of full-time travelers that have been on the road for so long that they actually schedule vacations from their vacation. Stay with us. I probably don't have to tell you that your foot pegs are a key component in controlling your bike, but they're also important for comfort. Now, two of the largest foot pegs, professionally produced foot pegs that I've ever seen are the IMS products, ADV-1 and ADV-2 foot pegs. The ADV-1 and the ADV-2 are designed specifically for adventure riders. They're large platforms that give you extra leverage and control, but as well as comfort for riding any road. The ADV-1 and ADV-2 foot pegs by IMS Products. Check them out at imsproducts.com and make sure anytime you're dealing with them, emailing, phone, whatever, just mention that you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio, imsproducts.com. While they've been on the road since 2010, each riding a DR650, they planned for years to travel this way, saving their money, but more importantly, building a passive income so they could support continuous travel. They have no reason to go home until they feel they really want to. Now, they've also stayed on the road during the pandemic, adhering to the local guidelines and hunkering down in Bolivia. But right now, they're able to move again. Mickness and Alice Oliver are peaky peaky overland. Mickness and Alice welcome back to Adventure Rider Radio. Thank, Thank you so you much. Very much. Nice to be with you. And, and as usual, you guys are still on the road. Where are you now? Um, Sucre, Bolivia. We're um, on our way, hopefully tomorrow, to Villa Abisha. It's a small little village that's above Tarija where we're going to spend Christmas and New Year. Um, we're heading for the winelands for Christmas. What can go wrong? Oh, <laughs> so do you already have a place set up? And like, is, is it already arranged where you're going? We, we normally don't plan stuff very far in ahead, but this time around we found this beautiful little small vineyard just outside of this small little town. Um, and when we were there, we were like, this is a perfect spot for a holiday. Mm. <laughs> so, yes, we, we're going to take a break and for two weeks just hang in the winelands. But over December and Christmas, all the times we always book off two or three weeks because Stuff gets expensive. You never get place. So we, that's the only thing that we that we plan or sort of try and plan yeah. ahead. It's also um, normally the the country, the local people are traveling around, so bookings aren't always that available. So we we 
explain a little bit. Yeah, sorry, Mickness, when you said book off, that, that sounds to me like somebody's <laughs> taking time off from work. I, I'm sorry, are you taking time off your vacation for vacation? <laughs> yes, we need, we need a vacation. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Jeez, I feel sorry I mean, for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's tough life, man. It's, somebody's got to do it. <laughs> so what's the deal as far as travel now? Are you guys able to just travel around? Luckily, yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. In, in Bolivia. In Bolivia, we can. Uh, we've just had uh, correspondence this morning because we need to plan where we're going uh, after our visas expires. And so basically, most land borders to Bolivia are still closed except for Brazil. Uh, so, yes, we still... Uh, in Bolivia for a bit, and we l- luckily can still travel between the provinces. Oh, so we, we've picked up a lot of the stuff that, that yes. we couldn't when we were sitting down. We, we, so we've been hauling us a little bit now to, to see a lot of places and stuff that we otherwise couldn't. So, so travelers' tips. What, what do you have for? What, what's your first tip that you have for us? I, I think one for me would be 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 flexible. Do your planning. Decide how you want to travel, but always be flexible because if things happen and things change, it should not ruin your trip. Um, we, we normally do broad stroke planning, whether it's for a small uh, trip, uh, extended trip, or like we call our, our uh, lifestyle trip. Um, we, we do plan, but we always say just be flexible. Don't let your whole trip go sideways because uh, things has not gone the way that you've actually planned. Just be flexible. And even if you can go test your trips, uh, do a little short trip to go test the style that you want to take on your trip. So that when you're on that uh, long deserved extended one that you, that you know what you like already. Mm, so shakedown trips, uh, I guess is what everybody, everybody calls them to, to figure out. And that's good for your gear as well. Correct. Yes, exactly. You, you need to, I mean, some people, you, you read all the stuff on social media and people say, oh, just get onto it and, um, you know, uh, you uh, just plan the stuff and just go. But you, you have to shake down the stuff. You have to understand um, that, uh, you know, maybe a two-month trip that you're going to do now, you don't like camping. You're, you're, the, the $20 a day that people told you about is going to be nice is not nice, you know. So you need to figure that stuff out yourself before you go on, a, let's say, a six-month trip or a, or a five-month trip and you figure out, but oh, man, this is not for me or the stuff is not working out. The biggest thing that we've seen every single time was was money. If people start to run into money problems, man, it, it turns into a horror show. So the shakedown trips will, will work for that kind of stuff. So what makes you think of that as your, your first tip? Well, it's normally, the, that's, that's the stuff that, that, that's all the other stuff comes into it, you know. All the other stuff follows on from that. But if your money is not, it's not, it's not working. Your your your, your planning trip or your, your small little things aren't falling into place. Your bigger trip, the day you're supposed to enjoy it and you you're supposed we, to just yeah. relax and go on, then those the small little niggles are we, starting to eat at you. We have also seen a lot of travelers that becomes I don't know if it's a correct term travel weary or travel tired because they're not flexible and they don't understand that if I've pl- planned a trip to do for six months, I have to stay every week in a new city or in a new little town. I have to camp to keep to my budget that they, they become not, they're not flexible. So they don't realize, but wait, I can actually take a week off, rent an Airbnb and just be sort of normal and just relax. So that's why we're saying just be flexible. Mm. All right. Okay. That makes sense. Okay, what's number two? 
I would say number two is is and this is part of the planning and and, and the the stuff that you don't want to do, but the paperwork's got to be done. Do your insurance if you if you if you're in a country and depending on every person's uh, insurances, they can go for one or two months away and the normal medical insurance. I'm not talking about evacuation and and and, and motorcycle insurance. I talk about your your getting injuries stuff. That kind of insurance will will cover you normally one or two months traveling from your country or whatever insurance you have. But when you start to go longer term, you have to get different kind of insurance or, or expat insurance and travel insurance. Make sure that stuff is correct. And if you cannot afford that, you basically cannot afford to go on a trip because that stuff is what will kill you. It will kill your trip. It will kill your budget. It will, it will ruin your, your bank account. It's really expensive stuff when you get hurt in another country. Another evacuation, because let's say you get a heart attack, for example. They don't just quickly evacuate to your country and you have medical insurance. They, you have to stay there. So, and every single day that that's get the money gets dropped up. So, if you have not enough money, they leave you outside of the pavement. If you do have money, they're going to empty your bank account. So, do it's it's a stuff that you don't normally think about, and it's one of the last things you think about. But it's supposed to be one of the first things you get into place to make sure that your medical and, and travel uh, insurances and stuff are. are it it are can also be an, an expensive exercise, and it is an, an expense to a trip. So we have found travelers that would say, oh, no, that's too expensive. I'm just going to take the chance. And what we're merely saying is, no, do have a base plan. Do have something that covers you. Because, again, it can ruin your trip. It can ruin your life. It can ruin you financially. And the thing is, you're mentioning the load that it puts on your bank account or it may drain you and, and do other things. Also, your family, right? And your friends at home. Right. Not to mention the greater community. You know, if you find yourself in a jam and have to be rescued by, by somebody doing something with the community. I mean, that puts a lot of stress on everyone else because you chose not to make those plans and sort of do your due diligence. No, exactly. I mean, yeah. you, you can't expect other people yeah. to look after you if you want to go on a, on a holiday because it's a holiday. It's not a, yeah. oh, I want this for the rest of my life. If I'm so, I know, think it's I, also I selfish. About it. no, to, it's selfish. Yeah, know. it's selfish to put that load on your family and friends if something happens to you and you did not have provisions. Mm, yeah, it's not like you're ex an explorer going off to, you know, find new things for science or something like that. Yeah. Like you said, <laughs> it's a vacation. Yeah. Yeah. Even exactly. then, if you go on a science trip, you should make sure you've yeah, got your insurance. You're right. Nowadays, you should. But <laughs> hey, how much of your budget goes towards um, insurance for that? Well, it, it, for us, it, uh, we've got a, a proper expat uh, hospital plan. So day-to-day -day stuff, we know that we've got a small budget to cover for flu and for uh, small dental work. But we made sure that we've got a full 100% cover for any hospital, whether it is a, a local hospital uh, uh, contracted yeah. in or out of uh, certain medical tariffs, we will be covered for that 100%. Um, with that, we had to take a, a in health insurance, a expat insurance, uh, which costs us about $350. It, it's expensive, but we know per at month. least we will be covered. That's that's roughly per month. So it, it differs. The oh, plans that we... 
Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it, it, it differs between 250 and about $350 per month. But that is if anything goes wrong and you have to be admitted to a hospital or have to be taken into a, an ambulance, that is fully covered. We also have uh, the spot device that we use. So we pay the insurance through the spot, but we also pay for an additional evacuation plan, which is about, uh, under correction, about $20 a month. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that will basically make ensure that if we press the button on our spot to say we're in, the, in trouble, whether they send an ambulance, uh, uh, a, a helicopter, or somebody on foot, everybody will be paid. <laughs> mm, yeah, the spot is that's another that's another good point. And we've done a couple of episodes on spot, but you guys also have a really good article on your website. Maybe you can send me the, a link to that article, and I can put it in the show notes. Uh, on our yes. website for this, and then people okay. can go and look at it because I think you've got all the details there listed out. And I think you're you're keeping it up to date, aren't you? Yes, yeah, for and, sure. And Mechnes is also covering the evacuation, uh, you know, specifically saying, make sure, don't just assume your health insurance or your uh, spot insurance covers for evacuation because it doesn't always. So it, it's well covered in the article. Well, just to give you an example, LCB uh, ligaments got um, torn in New Mexico. That was a $23,000 Medical bill that we didn't pay. $23,000. $23,000. That was the restoration and the, the recovery time that we had to do. In our time, just the last five years in America, there was four people that had injuries that was that was eventually either ended up in hospital or evacuated. And, I mean, the last people was two Australian people that we know that, that she fell in, in Patagonia, and that was a month in hospital in Patagonia. I think that bill was... Closer oh, to 40,000 US. But mm. she could not take a normal flight back home, so it was a special flight. And uh, luckily for them, they had full medical insurance, which covered that for them. So she could afford to actually pay for a first-class ticket to be comfortable in the plane flying home. Mm-hmm. So again, it's all things to consider. Well, and I think a lot of times that the attitude is it won't happen to me. I mean, we all love to think this. I think it won't happen to me. But I, I mean, I was just talking a, a week or so ago with a guy who is, you know, 50 some odd years old in good health and has a massive heart attack. And yes. he had, the, he thought the same thing. It wouldn't happen to him. And he's saying, Hey, like, you know, you got to pay attention to stuff uh, when it happens. And he's just talking about being at home, but imagine if you're abroad. No, exactly. man, you're, no, man you, you're in such deep trouble. Yeah. And it just makes and, the whole experience worse because you, you're having medical problems. And now you have to worry about, you know, how you're going to pay for the stuff because this is not a free for all people in other countries. are not just going to, Oh, yeah, you know, don't don't worry. Come into the hospital. We'll fix you up. No worries, man. You're, you know, you want a beer? It doesn't happen. That's much like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I remember having a, a guy out on one of our trips when we were in tourism. And he went, uh, we, we took him to the hospital because I think what he had, uh, he had severe sunburn is what it was. And um, it, it was so bad. I didn't want to take him out on the trip is what, what had happened. So when we got back, I heard from him. He went to the hospital and I think it was, uh, I think it was 750 or $1,000 just to get looked at. You know, he didn't do it because he didn't have insurance. So he ended up scuttling the trip because I wouldn't take him on the trip because I said, these are, these are going to infect on the trip. I can't take the risk of taking you. Uh, so, yes. But then he goes to the hospital and he doesn't admit himself in the hospital because he doesn't want to pay the fee for the hospital. Mm. Oh, well. Not good. Make yeah. your choices in life, ne? Yeah. yeah. No, that's crazy. No, yeah. that's, a, that's a good one. So what's number three? I think this is one Mechnes and I love to talk about, and um, it's it's for us it, it's just working so wonderfully. Um, but we have to say slow travel, mm-hmm. don't go fast, don't, don't, don't go chasing passport stamps. Uh, just 
enjoy every moment that you're in a country. Get to know the full country, the people, the food, the environments. I mean, it's just go slow. Every every single person we speak to, every single one that eventually had sometimes somewhere along a trip that they had to stay longer in one place or they took it a little bit slower or stuff, had a nicer experience than the point-and-shoot passport stuff. The memories you make. One of them. So yeah. I don't say do the whole of, of the, the, the South America run in six months. Maybe do three or four countries in, you know, if you have four, four or five months or three, three months, only choose two or three countries and do it properly, then point and shoot through it, a lot of them. And all you do is you see Taros. You could do that at home to get, get, get somewhere in America, choose a thousand kilometers and do it five times. And you then the, then the same, basically the same thing because you're just seeing Taros all the time. But the, the nice little places, the out-of-the-way places that you allow yourself to go and see, because now you're sitting here and somebody tonight tells you, oh, man, there's, there's a little village, Villa Tunaria, and it's 400 kilometers from here, and they've got the most beautiful um, blue-colored pellets. I can't go see them. I need to run tomorrow because I need to be at the border. I've got my stuff planned. Yeah, I think it comes you know, in line with our first point of being flexible. It comes with the slow travel as well. Some of our best experiences has been because we were – more, uh, we spent more time with locals and they've actually told us about secrets of the country or go see this area. Nobody really goes there. And it's really, it's worth it to just don't rush, get to know the whole country. Don't be a passport stamp runner. Have you ever come across anyone uh, in your travels that has said to you, you know, I'm just spending too much time in these places? No, look, no, we, we've done it. I mean, <laughs> some some places we spent, like Mexico was seven months, you're like, hey, man, we need to move on. No, no, but was that really because, was that too much time? Do you really think no, that, oh, no, no, I've spent too no, much time? No, or are you just thinking, no. I, I got to move? No, 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 I, no just, we, I think it's just that thing like, you, you know, you're a traveler. You yeah. should actually travel on. Yeah. Just now you may but, become a resident. <laughs> yeah. but to answer your question, no, there was nobody that ever said I've spent too much time in a, in a country. No. no. I don't, there's well, no, it is not possible. We, we can, we've locked down in Sucre. Yeah. Eight months Eight in months Sucre, Sucre yeah, yeah, we spend too much time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I was just talking with Tim and Marissa and Notier and, and they he was saying something about uh, traveling. He says, I, oh, I said, you're still traveling. He says, well, I guess kind of. He says, although there's not much travel happening because they've been staying in one spot for quite a while, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, if, if, if you're talking to walking to the plaza and back, is traveling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good travel. <laughs> well, that, that's a good one. Now, I, I know we're, we're doing three, but what's your fourth one? This one, Mechnes is going to yeah, address this, for you. This, this one is, a well, <laughs> I've written an extensive article on this way back when because we've been on both sides of the fence of sponsorships and, and, and doing our own trip. And the basis of this is if you have the money and you want to go on a trip, it's your trip. You pay for it. It's your life. It's your money. It's your memories. It's everything. It is not brands. It's not the life of a brand. So, it's very tempting to get sponsorship and get stuff for free and all this kind of hypes and uh, plastered on social media and becoming a fine, fine person. But the fact is that eventually when you get back home, it was your money, your life, your trip. And nobody, everybody forgets about it. The whole world doesn't even know about you. So don't go out and, and, and run around and looking for sponsors. First of all, it's your trip. So make sure you have the money that you can pay for everything. Sometimes people will give you stuff, uh, a lot of brands will give stuff uh, discounts on, but that discount you will pay back with your skin 
to make sure that they – but I'm talking about responsible people, not people that, that get stuff for free and they never, they never talk to a brand again. I think it's a little bit like don't let – it dominate your trip. Don't let it change your trip because if you get sponsors or you, you've got this uh, idea that you want to be a social media warrior, it, it's all, it's all good, but don't let it dominate your travels. Uh, don't lose out on good experiences because it's a small village without Wi-Fi because you've got commitments. Um, so I think yeah. just be careful. Just be careful of the, it's very tempting. It's very nice to see everybody else's stuff on social media and how wonderful it is and stuff. But there's a very, very dark side to this whole sponsorship thing and getting stuff for free. Mm. And you have to look at, you have to think about the amount of money you're going to spend on a trip. Let's say you're going for however length time, three months. The amount of money you're going to spend on that trip compared to the amount of money you're going to save on a discount by with your with exactly. your panniers or something like that, or even free panniers or, or a jacket exactly. the amount of money yeah versus what it's going to do to your trip as far as the change that you're talking about you have to weigh that up yeah you have yeah. to how much time are you in your trip have to spend to honor these commitments that you've made you know it can make a huge difference we the first time we encountered somebody that was so obliged or so pulled in by a sponsorship was when we did our africa trip and we met a family and they were sitting at a campsite and he was almost red in the face with worry and sweating. And we say, what's wrong? And he says, I can't get enough Wi-Fi. I need to upload all these photographs because of my sponsors. And there we started realizing, be careful. This can become a bit of a trap. Mm, yeah. And the other thing is you can, you can most probably find panniers or let's say panniers or clothing secondhand, new stuff secondhand, but on eBay or wherever for cheaper than what you're going to get a discount, brand new stuff from a, from a brand. And then you're still obliged for the brand to, to spam them and, and give them the stuff. And, and, and to be stuff. visible. Well, thank you very much, you guys. I, I really appreciate you taking your time. I, you, I think you stopped for laundry or something now, and then you're heading off to grab wine and then off to your, your next location. <laughs> I feel <laughs> so sorry like for that. you. Is. Uh, it's, a, it's such a pressed life, man. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Nick, Miss Elsby, thank you very much. I really appreciate you having you on. Thank, Thank you, you, Jim. Thanks, thanks, thanks for having thanks us. Thanks for thinking of us. I was speaking with Mignus and Elsby Ulivir in Bolivia and still exploring by motorcycle. Their website is Peaky Peaky Overland. There's tons of great information on that website, by the way, on Moto Travel. And of course, we'll put a link in the show notes for this episode on AdventureRiderRadio.com. Hey, I just want to remind you that this episode has been brought to you by Green Chili Adventure Gear, greenchiliadv.com, MotoBreeze Chain Oiler at motobreeze.com, and Best Rest Products at cyclepump.com. And we'd really appreciate it if anytime you're dealing with these companies, anytime, email or otherwise, let them know you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio. Well, 
about wraps up another episode of Adventure Rider Radio, and we sure hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as we did making it. Special thanks to our, to our producer, of course, Elizabeth Martin, and to you, the listener. Thank you very much. Um, if you'd like to support the show, drop by our website, adventureriderradio.com. Click on support. You can support for as little as $5 a month with our patron account. We'd love to get you in there. Anyway, time to get out there and ride your bike if you can. My name's Jim Martin. Thank you very much for listening, and I will talk to you next week. Hi, this is Elspeth Beard, and you're listening to Adventure Rider Radio. (laughs) 